The Football Show on Off The Ball. Brought to you by the Boyle Sports app. Cash out and in-play betting available in the App Store and Google Play Store. I'm prepared to do anything I can well, to do play it my then. country again. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Oh. Welcome along to Wednesday's football show. Nathan with you this evening. Kev is in studio as well. It's Southampton nil, Derby nil in the FA Cup third round replay. There's just over an hour gone. There's been a VAR controversy that we'll get to in a moment. We've got Damien Delaney coming up as well. He is 37, but he's going to play on. He's just signed for Waterford United after a frustrating season at Cork City. We'll talk to him about that and his time at Crystal Palace and really getting the opportunities that he deserved at international level. So that's coming up shortly as well. But Richie has popped in to fill us in on all the live sport. Yeah, fourth round trip to Accrington Stanley on Saturday week awaiting the winners of tonight's FA Cup third round replay at St Mary's where it remains Southampton nil, Derby nil. Derby's Craig Bright had a goal chalked off by the VAR for an offside in the build-up just prior to half-time. Uh, elsewhere, Leeds manager Marcelo Bielsa says he's had all of their opponents this season watched before they played them. The Argentinians being investigated by the Football League after admitting sending a member of staff to spy on Derby's training session ahead of last Friday's game at Allen Road. Bielsa says he's not broken the law and he didn't have any bad intentions. And he's also admitted that even though he knows it's not illegal, it means... It's the right, he doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. But is he, going to, is he going to continue doing it? It's not done anything illegal, has he? That's like kind of standard practice. Not killed man. Why were the police called then? Why did they turn up? Well, because that's an, like a trespasser, isn't it? They thought somebody was acting suspiciously yeah. around their, their ground. So, yeah, and when they found out, he's like spying, they're like, ah. Let him off. Yeah. On you go. Good lad, see you later. Do you think, will there be a punishment for Leeds? Do you think they'll end up getting deducted points? I don't because the, the, well, the, the FA set a precedent then, aren't they? There's, there's no, there's nothing to suggest you you can't do it. Has oh, it? Like what happens if you're walking along by Melwood some afternoon, and they think you're spying on Liverpool training for Everton, your former club? Well, yeah, that's it. And you're arrested. Who's to say I wouldn't do that? For lurking in the bushes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not happened before but well, anyway. okay, well, <laughs> let's not incriminate yourself tonight. Oh. Uh, Joe Schmidt says Ross Byrne is still very much in his thinking despite the Lancer at half being left out of the 38 man squad for the first two rounds of the Six Nations Connacht's Jack Carty has preferred to Byrne and is one of three uncapped Connacht players named in the squad today joining him scrum half Quaylen Blade and the centre Tom Farrell uh, elsewhere UCC have gotten their Sigerson Cup campaign off to an impressive start this evening they ran out a whopping 7.25 to 2-4 winners over Athlone IT God bless them at the Tonight. Meanwhile, UL edged out DIT in a scoreline of 113 to 112 at Grange Gorman. And earlier, St Mary's needed a free taking competition to get the better of NUI Goway. 4 2 and freeze after a finish 111 apiece after extra time. Ireland's Nathan Redmond. Oh, just, I, I was I, I just about to say, has there been, has there been any, any more on that? Nothing. No, Mick was talking on uh, Friday night at the Soccer Riders Awards, basically saying it's all ticking along. The Negotiations, I think, are happening behind the scenes. We won't know oh. anything till probably the way it should probably be. the squad is yeah. announced. Yeah, would you take him? Would I take him? Yeah. I think it'd be hypocritical of me to say no. <laughs> I don't particularly like it. Yeah. The very fact he's played for England at senior level, that he has played probably he's probably pulled on an England jersey a hundred times between everything, and has ex- never expressed at any stage an interest in yeah. playing for Ireland. But he's eligible to play, so. Therefore, we just got to accept it. You're we presumed that if Rice plays, he's going to wants to win the match that he's yeah. involved in. I, I don't like. Exactly. I, I don't like it in any way. It's, it's a bit grubby, way. and like, nobody. I don't think anybody. Really but it's all likes a bit it. grubby. 
Yeah, exactly. International football has become it a bit is. grubby. It is. The, the, the ruling has become a joke, hasn't it? It's farcical now, the way that it is. But that, I, I don't know. How, how can you, I don't know, how can you, as you say, he's, he's never showed any desire to play for us. Well, that's the thing. If he had played at underage level, if he'd shown any sort of desire to play at underage level, not only that, mm. he has shown he wants, he's played for England at senior level. So he clearly wants to be an England international, and he's been in good oh, form since. And Shane loves it. Oh, off the line, line of the rebound! Great goal, that. James Ward-Prowse has nodded it in. I think they're going to go to the VAR. No, it's Armstrong. Armstrong. He's a good player as well. He's done great since coming from Celtic, hasn't he? Mm. Uh, very similar, well, slightly similar situation in the first half where a ball was played across to Shane Long, five yards out, and he fired it straight at the keeper, and the rebound fell to Armstrong. Open goal. And it sort of slid agonisingly But he couldn't sort his, his feet legs. out. He couldn't sort his feet, could he? He couldn't mm. adjust his body. He should have scored. It was an absolute sitter for him. Difficult uh, to do when you're face down with an open goal to sort your feet out, isn't it? Is it? You tell me. Oh, you tell me, Kev. No, you tell me. You've nation. got a lot to say on the matter. No, I'm, just, I'm just saying it can be difficult to sort your feet out when you're... Uh, no, you've just got a lot to say. No, sometimes you know, it's full, full of waffle without suddenly, any, anything to back it up. Listen, we all remember 2002. Uh, this time, Long's header is cleared off the line and Armstrong falls on, what, two yards out? And he taps it in, so Southampton are 1-0 up. It's been a decent game, actually. Yeah, it has. Chances. It has. I think they're looking at VAR again. They didn't Why are they looking at VAR? Yeah, just to cover the tracks, offside? aren't they? Look, it, it, he's not offside. He's not offside. It's, a, it's actually a great ball from Shane Long, holding it up to the full. I mean, he's never been offside, has he? That's like, just... just make the decision yourself, referee. I know. That's what I... Well, I think, realistically, that one there, that, that's... It's done. Like, you're delaying a game here. It's only 30 seconds. People say, what's the 30-second delay? But that's clearly, there's no offside. There's no problems there at all with that goal. Just give it and carry on. And, uh, well, thankfully, they haven't. It just get on with We it should now. mention that it seems as though your life-size cutout is going to happen. Alan Brogan, former Dublin footballing hero. The Alan Brogan as well. I yeah, doubt earlier. Um, I, I, I am doubting. I'm doubting it, it can be su su uh, such a man can, uh, can produce the... Well, he works for a printing company, Custodian. Uh, there you go. And they are going to do this. I've sent them a picture of you and your Mayo jersey <laughs> that we're going to get. I hope I hope we can have it in the studio tomorrow night. And this is going to some guy who's built a little uh, man cave. Man cave and what I, I don't I don't even want to know what they're going to do with it. But uh, he's guess. getting himself a full size kill ban, <laughs> life size. Someone's, someone suggested we do an outside broadcast from this man cave down in Kilkenny and I just want to say I'm fully supportive of this. Yeah. How, many, just, how, many, how many can fit in there? Well, it does, well let's find out. You just need, a, you just need a, what, a couple of mics and away you go. Let's find out. We've got to go to ads, lads, but Dara Corcoran has been in touch. Caban should be spying oh, on Liverpool. Oh, it's 2-0. Oh, let's get Nathan Redmond on the plane. Yeah. That boy is just after uh, chipping one in Great goal. and made it Southampton 2, Derby nil. I'm not in favour of another Nathan entering Irish public life. So exactly. for that reason alone, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Kilban should be spying on Liverpool. He might help Everton close that 27-point gap, says Dara Corcoran on Twitter. Damien Delaney. It's going to get next. shorter. It's going to get shorter. You know, I'm a football man. Kevin's a football man. You know, and Joel's not. Now, Sorry, I'm a football man too. Oh! What? What do you? Uh, are you a boxer short boxers, man? Yeah, are you, boxers, yeah. Are you boxers. knickers man or what are you? That's one thing my wife's never had to buy me is boxer shorts or pants because I um, I don't wear any. Simple as that. I don't think I'm the only male out there that doesn't wear pants either. I think there's a lot of males. I know a lot of people that don't wear pants. It's no big deal. I don't know. You know, I'm a football man. But I don't wear I do it. Oh, how Robson Canoe. We found one here. Still don't wear pants. Still don't wear pants. What, what do you wear? Boxers. 
All right, so Damian Delaney is going to extend his career into a 20th season after signing for Waterford United for the upcoming League of Ireland season. Damien is on the line now. Evening, Damien. Hi, how are things? 37 now. You're going to turn 38 during the League of Ireland yeah. season. Two decades as a pro. There must be some deep love of football that's keeping you going on. Yeah, um, I think that, that that's pretty much it, really. Um, you know, uh, I played the game obviously before I turned professional, when you know, for fun and enjoyment and stuff, and, and obviously I had my career. And, and and when I finished there in Cork last year, I thought, why should I stop? You know, I still enjoy the game. I still love football. I love everything that goes with it: the the training, the the tactics, the banter in the changing room, everything. So I didn't really see. Um, a reason to stop, and, and obviously Rennie for me, and, and when someone wants you, then yeah. you know it just kind of made sense, really. Yeah, it's great to hear because like it's only 15, 16 months since you were starting in the Premier League for Crystal Palace at Old Trafford yeah. against Manchester United. Like the RSC in Waterford, in many ways, feels like it's it's a world away from that. And from your experience of playing with Cork last season, you obviously are still then getting the same buzz as you were getting yeah. even three, four years ago when you were full-time yeah. first-team player at Palace. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, that, again, that sums it up. You know, football is always football, and, and I enjoy it so much. So I didn't really see a reason. Obviously, um, is a difference between playing at Old Trafford and playing at the RSC. But ultimately, when you when you, you strip away everything that goes with it, it's still four white lines and, and two goals at either end. Um, and uh, I still enjoy it, and I didn't see a reason to stop. Mm. There's something that you said in your first answer there, talking about you still enjoy it though, Damien. We had Keith mm. Tracy on recently spoke about the fact is that once he turned professional, he, he rarely, if ever, enjoyed a game of football throughout his career. It, mm. Where do you still get where do you, where do you get that enjoyment from, and how do you look? What you're saying, 20 years into a professional career, now, how do you, how do you still have that enjoyment, and what what does actually keep you motivated? Um, I, I, honestly, I, I just enjoy it. I love my alarm goes off in the morning, and and then they get to go training, and 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 you know as well. When you get to go outside and put on a pair of boots for a couple of hours in the morning, I I, I don't see anything else that I would would want to do, and I feel I would be cheating myself if I could if I felt I was still able to do it, and I didn't do it. Obviously, I couldn't do it at the same level that I have done it, and and maybe you know time will tell how much I can give water for it. But I still love being in the environment. I love watching. I I get a sense of enjoyment when I watch young kids, you know, learning mm. the game, and I see them improve, and and they come in at the start of the season, and by the end of the season, they're a different player, and and I, and I get a buzz out of that, and I enjoy, it and I like helping people, and that's why I went out to Waterford, you know, to play, obviously, but you know, I want to help and and be a part of that environment and, and, and the success and the drive for success um, is all part of it. How's the body? How's that feeling? Good, really, yeah, which was which was the main thing, you know. Um, I was fortunate that I managed to, to leave England um, relatively intact. Um, a lot of people, you know, are carrying issues and, and, and maybe would suffer later in life with certain things, but, you know, I left England and, 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 I, and I felt really, really fit. I, I felt really strong. I didn't have any injuries, nothing nothing recurring or nothing that I couldn't seem to get rid of. Um, so I felt good, and that's why I come back to Cork. And then when I left Cork last year, you know, I had two months off. We finished there early November, and um, Rennie, uh, Alan Reynolds was on to me um, about going down to Waterford, and I said to him, look, Rennie, I need some time off, you know, because, you know, I had a year with Palace at the end. No, granted, I didn't play that much, but I trained every day for, for a year. I, I didn't miss anything. And then I went straight into a Cork City season, and, that, and that's tough for a young person, I think, to, to rattle off 18 months on the spin. 
Um, I think that, that, that caught me a little bit towards the back end of the season at Cork City. I think I, I did hit a bit of a brick wall, to be honest with you. Um, so once Rennie was phoning me, I said, look, give me some time. You know, I need a, I need a break here. I need to go away and, and let everything settle down and let my mind clear. Um, and then once that happens, I'll, I'll be able to make a decision. But in fairness to me, he's persisted. He didn't leave me alone. He kept on at me and on at me and on at me and stuff. And um, uh, he's quite an infectious character and he's, he's quite bubbly. So I kind of fed off that a little bit uh, with him. Um, and I liked what he was saying. And I, and I, t- I thought, well, yeah, I kind of want to be a part of this. Um, so I, I, I phoned him there just after Christmas and started the pre-season last week. How did you find last season with Cork then? Because understandably there was a lot of expectation when you decided mm. to return home because you were still involved with Crystal Palace yeah. right up to that season that yeah. you're coming straight back from the Premier League. How, yeah. how did you find the change to League of Ireland football? The, the change was fine. I mean, for League of, I love League of Ireland football. That's the other thing. I really do. Um, I, I really am a fan of the league and, um, and I wish it got better Better kind of... Uh, you know, exposure and, 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 and people believed in it a little bit more so I felt that coming back I enjoyed that and I don't mind that you know I know a lot of people leave the environment that I was in and they, they, they can't handle the travelling and the, the arrangements and the pitches and, and all this stuff but none of that stuff bothers me man you know I, I enjoy that I love the getting on a bus and you know heading up to Dublin and you know maybe the, the preparation and, and, and everything might not be the same but I've got no issues with that you know ultimately I came on to play football so from that side it was fine but when I look back, like I said, once I took the, the five or six weeks off there over uh, in November, I kind of look back and I definitely made some mistakes when I came over to Cork. Um, I didn't manage my, my, my body. Um, I was too excited, really. You know, I was like a kid going in there and I didn't miss a minute of training. Right. Um, and, and John runs a tight ship there down in Cork. Um, you know, it's a, it's a tough enough environment that he, he, he sets there, which is you know, absolutely fine. You know, John can run how he wants. And, and maybe I should have spoken to him a little bit more. Um, and just said, look, maybe I need to pull back from this and save myself for games and things. Um, and as I said previously, the, the having a 12-month stint in the UK and then going straight in um, and playing uh, pretty much straight away um, here um, was too much for me. And I think once I kind of got to September, um, I, I definitely felt that I'd, I'd, I'd hit a brick wall, basically. Um, but mistakes were made uh, yeah. on my part, basically, and I accepted those and I understood that. And that was part of the conversation I had with Rennie before I went down there, you know, that, you know, sometimes I need to control myself, really. My, you know, I, I'm enthusiastic for it, but obviously you have to be realistic as well with, with, with how much I can actually do, you know. Mm. And it, he was quite receptive to that and he was quite, um, quite. Uh, I felt he was on the same page as me, so um, I thought, why not? Footballers, I think, when they're coming towards retirement or when they do retire, seem to fall into two categories. The ones who never want to hear an alarm clock or never want to have a daily routine mm. ever again. And the others then who, who love that and want to get into coaching. And you definitely seem to fall into that latter category. Like From everything you're saying, it's almost like there's an addictiveness to, to football, yeah. to the training, to your own detriment at times. Because you would have yeah. imagined, and, and from the outside, that going to Cork at 36, 37, there'd be an understanding all round that you need yeah. to treat your body slightly differently to somebody yeah. 10 years younger. Yeah, and I definitely felt that I was I was spending a lot of um, spending a lot of energy in the week, and come Friday night maybe I wasn't. Um, you know the the, the 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 kind of the hunger, the appetite mm. wasn't there because you know training was quite tough and things. And kind of come Friday, it was almost like the warm up was start of Friday night, and it was almost like a deep breath and like okay, let's just get through this. And that's how it shouldn't have been, you know. And at no but stage again, did you talk to John Caulfield about that. Uh, we didn't really, you know. I mean, uh, you know, John is John's great, and I got a lot of time for John, but you know. 
I don't know if you guys are, he's a bit like, he's an intense man, you know, and he, he does, his training is, is a bit much. And, and again, you know, I felt coming home to my home city, I didn't really want to be, and, and I've never been the player of my career that, you know, I've never gone to see a manager to, to say, oh, I'm feeling a little bit tired, or, you know, you, you play with injuries. I've, I've never gone to a manager and said, oh, you know, I'm feeling my hamstring or anything. Mm. And I was always wanted to just, just get on with it, you know, and, and you know, if it worked out great, it didn't. And again, it's my fault, you know, that I should have went and seen John and should have recognised the signs. Um, because like I said, once everything's settled and I look back, the signs were there, you know. Um, yeah. Because I, I, I presume when you were leaving Palace, you probably had other options in England as well, I'm sure. Yeah, I did. Uh, and I'm just wondering there, if that would have been an issue there as well in terms of probably mm. the resources available at League of Ireland level, in terms mm. of the testing and mm. everybody in the club being aware of mm. where you are physically. And I guess yeah. also, by the sounds of it, it feels though because you were returning home, maybe you put an extra pressure on yourself yes, as well. Yes, exactly. exactly. And, I, and I felt that I didn't want to be like shortchanging anyone or, or cutting a corner as well because I felt that, you know, obviously going into a change room, a lot of those young kids might be looking to me and stuff, you know. And then if I'm cutting corners, I don't want to be... I know it sounds so stupid, like, but I didn't want to be setting a bad example. Mm. And, you know, if John was putting on a run, running session, he asked me, do you want to do it? I'd say, yeah, no problem, I'd do it. Because, you know, that's always been my way. You know, I wanted to, to be leading from the front almost, you know, and, and, and doing things correctly. Um, and I felt that I'd be cheating almost if I was cutting corners. But, you know, looking back, and I know it was, it was pretty stupid, really, what I did. Um, but once all that settled down, um, and I kind of ironed out all the problems in, 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 in my head of, of what went wrong, um, I still said I want to play football and I still felt I was capable and, and obviously with Rennie's relationship that I've, I've, I've had with him already um, I think it's possible this year yeah yeah, I have total empathy with you on that one, totally. Because you've it, spoken about that. Before. Well, it's the, the older you get, you feel as though you need to train harder, and you, you realistically, you actually don't. You, if, mm. you, if you manage yourself better, and you actually have that conversation with the manager, mm. but there's a reluctancy on a manager to to give anyone any sort of do any favours for a player, feel as though they're doing any favours for a certain players. Yeah. But sometimes you've got to see what's in front of you. Maybe I, I would think, certainly as manager, you've got such an experienced player that's done so much, he could contribute in so many different ways, and that's mm. that, that is the difficulty. Have you had that conversation then with Alan Reynolds this season? Yeah. David, yeah, yeah, When I first met him there over Christmas, it was the first thing I said to him, you know, before we discussed anything, you know, I just laid it out and I said, look, this is the situation um, and this is what I felt went wrong last year and and, and, um, and I'm not wrong. I know what went, what, what, what I, I kind of didn't do right. And I said, this is it, man. And, and, and I need this. And I said, if, if you're open to that and, and you're okay with that, I said, then let's, but I don't want to sign a contract, go down there to you and then tell you afterwards. So I said, if you're okay with that, then this conversation can go on. Um, and so listen, he's, he was absolutely fantastic. He said, he said, listen, I, you know, when, when I found out what you were doing down in Cork, he said, I, you know, I was really surprised. And he's quite good like that with me, you know. Um, you know I'm not going to be down in Waterford every day like the rest of the lads and stuff, you know, sometimes where I won't be going down or he'll trust me to do my own bits and pieces at home. Um, you know, because sometimes, you know, on a down day, I just need to go in the gym and kind of just do a bit of a bit of prehab or just some slight, you know, mobility work and things. You know, nothing, nothing crazy. Um, so he just said you can do that up in Cork, and there'll be no um, no need for you to come down. So that helps as well. Um, so he, he was very good. So and so far so good. He's been he's been true to his word the last couple of weeks. You know. What 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 can you contribute then in terms of appearances then this season? Have you got a a, a certain target in your head then for the season, Damien? Um, yeah, I, 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 I want to pretty much play every game, Kev. <laughs> I think that's part Learn of some lessons, like, Damien. Yeah. <laughs> so you know the bit I told you earlier about yeah. stupidity yeah. and what I did? Put that, the, put that, put that aside then, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, but I think if my training is altered correctly, you know, um, and I think that if, if I manage right, um, I think I can I can play a, a vast majority of the games. Um, now, obviously, there'll be times where I can't, but I said to Rennie, I said, I don't want to be spending energy Monday to Tuesday, Monday to Thursday, and then come Friday night, I've got nothing to give you. I'd rather do nothing Monday to Thursday because, you know, I'm, I'm experienced enough as a pro to know what I need. You know, sometimes it's just go on a bike for like 20 minutes and spin yeah. my legs, get the blood flowing, and that's kind of all you need, you know, and then you go in on a Thursday or a Wednesday before the game and you just get a feel of the ball just to get your feet moving, to get your sharpness and, and whatnot, you know. Um, so, so far so good, but listen, um, I, I wanted to try it and I wanted to go down there um, because I felt that I could still do it and I didn't want to kind of quit when I felt I could still do it, you know what I mean? I, I, because I was wondering when I saw the deal being announced if, if part of it was the lasting impression that you wanted to leave on people because unfortunately for a lot of people it was probably that game against Bohemians which was live on television <laughs> when you scored that quite frankly incredible own goal uh, it was quite a finish from a, 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 yeah, out in the corner yeah, and then 4-1 yeah. down taken half at half time like that's yeah. for, for the longevity of your career and all you'd, you'd done that I mean, wasn't I, I, what you what, wanted you, you've got him on to actually try and build him up today here now as well <laughs> yeah, and you're I'll killing the lad off here when you said about that Bohemians game I was going to go what Bohemians game because I just erased that from my brain no but, but look Look, it, it, look, again, if you can kind of step back and, and kind of clinically analyse what happened, you know, that was a result of, of, of the things that I was doing. Mm. But look, man, I've not got an ego, you know. I mean, I, I, I don't feel that, like, I owe anybody anything. Um, that game happened and it happened, and I put it behind me, and, I, you know, I, I dealt with that and I've moved on, and I can't change it. But, you know, that aside, you know, that was didn't bear any factor into what I was doing. What do you like you know, that fact, night after that Bowls game? You say you, you dealt with it. What, what, what do you like after a game like that? Um, well, there's a reason that happens, I think, as a player, you know, and I think if you're honest enough with yourself, um, and I'm not talking about excuses, but they're factors, because, you know, in, in the 20-year career, I've never done anything like that. Honestly, in, 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 in I must have played six or 700 games. I have never scored an own goal like that before in my whole <laughs> life, ever, or, or ever played a half of football. I might have had a minute where I made a mistake, but I've never had a half of football where that happened. So you kind of do have to step back and, and again, not to make excuses, but there were reasons for it. And then you just need to figure out. And if you're honest with yourself um, and not kind of paper over it or blame other people or, you know, stick it on someone else's toes, you know, you need to step back and be honest and say, okay, this happened and why did it happen? And if you can figure out why it happened, then you don't make those mistakes again. And that's basically what I did. I didn't feel sorry for myself. I didn't go home and not sleep. You know, I was quite honest enough to say, you know, took a couple of days and talked to some people that I trust and... You know, and obviously then when I went away at the end, in November for four weeks there, I was away and I just kind of really let my, my mind settle, you know, and, and you figure out why it happens and, and then you kind of, you just move on then really because there's nothing that you can do. Otherwise you end up dragging it around with you for the rest of your life and that's not really going to help anyone, is it? Yeah, and you say all those hundreds of games where it never happened before and mm. 20 seasons as a pro, like a very long, a very successful career, particularly the times at Hull and Queen's Park Rangers mm. and Ipswich. But you must, must take enormous pride in those four seasons as a first-team regular at Palace in the Premier League yeah. in your 30s when for a lot yeah. of players they might be winding down but that was the stage of your career because I guess you'd looked after yourself so well and you put the focus in. You got yeah. to live life at the very highest level. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the good thing about it is I got, I got to play at that level. So it's kind of answered a question because, you know, a lot of people would kind of say to yourself, oh, could I have played at that level? And they may never got the chance to, you know. And, you know, when we went up, I, I thought there might be a fair chance that I can play at this level. I might not be good enough. But then at least you know. 
you know, that I wasn't good enough to that level and you go back to the championship or you go and do something else with your life. But um, the satisfaction is knowing that I could, I, I always thought I could play at that level. Um, and then obviously to get to prove, prove it, so, so to speak, um, uh, is satisfying, yes. And um, uh, it was a great time and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I, I wanted to ask you about, about Ireland. Obviously, our, our paths crossed playing mm. uh, within the squad. Nathan asked me before we came in and he said, did you play alongside Damien? And I said, yeah. Obviously, his research is a lot better than mine because he, <laughs> I think we found out, we, we, I don't think we actually did play together, but we were in so many squads together over the years. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. it, it, it certainly seemed that way. So, yeah. nine caps and you look back across your career, you mentioned there, mm. six, seven hundred games across your career that you've played we haven't had too many players that have played to the, to the level that you've got to. So, do, do you look back with any regrets? Do you look back with disappointments mm. along your international career? Not really, Kev, because you know, you know, when you know, Trap with Tony got the job in O'Ways, I was in in his first squad, and those nine caps were spread across about nine years, I think, mm. or at least what was it, 2008 to 2014 or 15 when I finished. So that's like seven years. So that's a cap a year. But I went in, and um, and and the unfortunate thing is, in that era, there was you, uh, Donny, Sean St. Ledger, Shazy. It was it was a proper team, you know. And and, and I knew that I was saying the championship at the time, and it was just unfortunate that I was wrong, around at the time where there were some very very good players who were playing week in week out at a very very high level. But I went in and I tried, and unfortunately, by the time all you guys left, um, I was kind of into my thirties by then. Um, and yes, I was playing in the Premier League, but you know, for one reason or another, um, it just didn't really work out. And then I obviously, you know, you know yourself, you had to kind of weigh up. Um, I only got so much to give every year, and those international trips do take it out of you mm. because you know, you know, leaving some Eastern European country on a Wednesday night, just, well, it was uh, usually Saturday, Wednesday, or Wednesday night, and you are getting back to Dublin at four or five in the morning, and then your club wants you in on a Thursday, and you're flying back to the UK, and you know, that takes it out of you. Um, and I felt that as I was going into my 30s um, and with, with how I felt towards the whole thing, that's having nine caps over seven or eight years, wherever it was. And I thought, do we really want to keep going in there now? And would it be worth it? Would I get another chance? Um, and I just felt that, well, obviously I didn't get picked. So it wasn't really me that felt it, to be honest with you. So, um, but I didn't make a fuss when I didn't get picked. And when I didn't get picked, I just left it. And I just focused on my club career, really. That's interesting then, that dynamic, because... At that stage, there was so many conversations around that time as to why you weren't in the squad because mm. Kieran Clark was the only other <clears throat> centre back at the time playing first team Premier League football, and Martin O'Neill mm. had said that, well, you'd sort of made it clear unless you were going to be involved, you didn't want to travel. Like, did you mm. have that conversation with Martin uh, O'Neill? No, no. Like, which is you know, when he said that, like, I just thought to myself. I went back over the conversation that we had, and I thought, is there any way that he could have missed? interpreted or misunderstood what I was saying. Is there any way that he could walk away from that conversation with that impression? And when I went back over the conversation, my head that wasn't. I just thought, then he came up and said that. And then obviously I just thought, you know what, man, I, I don't really, I think it was just before the Euros or it was, you know, and I thought, you know what, the last thing anyone needs to know is just a big kind of public war. So I just let it slide really. And I just thought, you know what, um, he obviously is happy with his, with other people or other people who were playing ahead of me. Mm. Um, so what, what was like, the conversation you had with Martin O'Neill at the time? 
Um, I'm not going to go into to too many details with it and things like that, but you know, it's not something that I, I want to drag up again. You know, I mean, Martin's not the job no anymore, and, and and to be honest with you, I'd rather just leave that lie. But the 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 unfortunate thing was when I was playing regularly, I had four Premier League players playing ahead of me for Ireland. And then when I came in later, I was in the Premier League and there was four championship players playing ahead of me. Mm. And I couldn't get my head around that. <laughs> I just thought I was you know, pretty unfortunate. But look, it is what it is. Man. I'm not going to dwell on this. And I did the best I possibly could and, and went in there for seven or eight years. Every trip, you know, every away trip and everything. And, you know, kind of got a cap in the June friendlies when all those lads had um, kind of left the squad and, and that type of thing. And I did the best I could. It just the timing was... So he wasn't right, you know. Yeah, and and the way you talk there about the benefits it had, I guess, not being involved in the squad and yeah. not having those long trips probably helped your longevity. Yeah. Oh, no question. But uh, were you able to see it like that at the time, or was there that desperation, which we hear from so many from Kevin and so many of the former internationals, to push themselves for an Ireland team to get over there as much as possible? Mm. Was, at the time, was it something that was deeply frustrating? No, not really, because okay. I mean, you know, with the, when Martin had taken over, it was different, and I felt that maybe, you know, I probably wouldn't have played that much anyway. Possibly, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what what the situation was, but it wasn't something that I was willing to push. And and um, I tell you, when you're playing regularly and you're older, and those international breaks come around in August, September, and October, you're a godsend, you know, to get a weekend off. And the manager gives you four or five days and you might go to Spain or somewhere and get a bit of sun on your back and you come back rejuvenated. Um, you know, that kind of gets you to November in the season and then you just got to get the head down over Christmas and before you know it, you get another one in February or March if there's internationals, you know. So they are kind of a godsend, really. Uh, and the way it worked out, it, it kept me fresh and kept me, um, kept me healthy, really. We don't need to go over the old ground of yourself and Roy Keane because I think everybody knows about it. And Roy even wrote about it in his autobiography that he felt yeah. he was probably a little bit too hard with you at times at Ipswich. Yeah. But Could you imagine he... that? Could you imagine <laughs> that? Well, if Roy admitting that? <laughs> well, ex exactly, exactly. I guess that's the thing. The very fact that he was admitting it probably just gives a, a bit of an... Like, your memory of that time as to how hard he was on you, did you feel you were being singled out? Um, I don't feel I was being singled out, but I felt, I felt he was very, very hard on me. But again, the way I justify that to myself in Ipswich is he picked me every week. And that is the ultimate compliment the manager can give you. So he might have been at me every day and every game. But like other players came and went out of the club and other players didn't play and other players were sold and whatever. But the ultimate compliment is the manager picking you. But can you, play your best, can you play your best football if there's that type of atmosphere? I guess that, like, that's the question even surrounding the Ireland team yeah. of the last few years. Yeah, whereby really. it seems like a very not old really. school attitude. Yeah, not really. I mean, it's difficult, you know. Um, but again, I just kind of, you know, I got my head down and tried not to make eye contact with him, to be honest with you. And usually he left me alone, but, you know, when he did go, he'd go at you. Um, but then he'd pick me the following week, so I just thought, well, what are you complaining about? Just, you know, just do what you can. Yeah. Like, like that's remarkable that you're going... Yeah. And, and maybe like maybe it's not that remarkable. I don't know, Kev, you've been in dressing rooms as well, that man players will go around trying to avoid the manager almost. Yeah, not not so much. Not so much. Probably uh, in the last ten years, I would say that maybe the last ten, maybe maybe twenty years ago. I suppose that 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 type of environment was was a little bit more commonplace, and not 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 so much over the last ten years. I think there was uh, more of an acceptance that maybe the game had evolved. I think players mentally were more aware of the surroundings and had to. Uh, and we're doing things differently than probably than they would have done. I'm talking mind, mindful of the body, mm. mindful of everything around around the game, and, and that that was certainly a, a huge change within the game. So uh, it was it, that was a rarity, I think, certainly a rarity within the modern modern game, without a doubt. Yeah.
Can I, can I just clarify there that I what? didn't ever avoid him? That was just a kind of figure of speech, <laughs> right. if you know what yeah. I mean? Just to, yeah. you know, if I made a mistake, came in a half time, I probably would head towards the physio room um, and try not be in the roof. <laughs> that, that type of thing. Do, do you think that, do you, do you think in hindsight that the issues around the time at Ipswich did play a part in what happened with Ireland? No, not really. Roy was the assistant and Martin was the manager, yeah. so not really. You know, the first squad I went into, Roy was, was absolutely fine with me. Um, you know, I had a conversation and, and uh, just a general chit-chat, not about anything. Like, you know, we talked about a couple of things at Ipswich, you know, we, you know what happened and whatever, but, but nothing, you know, about anything in depth. And Roy was absolutely fine with me. And um, um, I probably spoke more with him in a couple of squads that I was in than I did in the whole time I was at Ipswich. With him. And that's, that's, that's probably the right. truth. I want to ask you about uh, Palace and yeah. one game actually in particular because it's a game I was commentating on. It stands out above any other really of the last five, six years was the night of the 3-3 draw with oh, Liverpool. Yeah. And yeah. I, for all the games I've ever been to, I do not remember an atmosphere quite like Selhurst Park that mm. night when mm. you were 3-0 down. And remember, Liverpool had just been beaten by Chelsea the week before yeah. and they needed, yeah. if they'd won that game 8 or 9-0, they could have closed the goal difference gap in City. Nobody thought it would happen yeah. and they found themselves 3-0 up earlier and they could have actually found themselves 7 or 8-0 up. You kept it at 3-0 and you yeah. scored this brilliant goal with 12 minutes left and you scored three yeah. goals in the space of nine minutes. Yeah. Three all, Steven Gerrard, Luis Suarez are in tears. And the yeah. place was literally hopping. The ground was yeah. was shaking underneath us. What's your memory of that night? Um, you just what you said there, really. You know, I mean, the first seventy-eight minutes was an absolute catastrophe. Like, you know, we couldn't do anything right. And um, remember, Tony, it was the first time Tony Pulis really, you know, showed his teeth uh, out of the half time. You know, we were we were well safe by then. You know, I think we were guaranteed top half as well. I think we were ninth or tenth at the time, and. Um, I think maybe the first seven eight minutes we played a little bit like that, um, but the players that we had there at the time, their their attitudes and their their kind of just willingness just to keep going in the face of anything. That's what we kind of had, and obviously when that goal went in, it just kind of and the crowd then was just you know fantastic because you know training alone at home it was quite easy for some people to head off. It was a Monday mm. night game, getting away from Selhurst isn't the easiest thing in the world. A lot of people could have might have made their way away, you know, but they didn't, they stayed and the drums were still going and it was such a party atmosphere even though we were losing 3-0. And then obviously when that goal goes in and then Gailey got two, so I mean, it was it was a fantastic night and it's definitely um, it's definitely one that I'll, uh, I'll remember for, for the rest of my life, really. Yeah, yeah, everyone remembers the pictures, I think, of Gerard and Suarez walking yeah. off. Do you, do you remember what it was like in the dressing room afterwards? Yeah, it was just absolute jubilation, to be honest. We were, we were just, you know, we were buzzing. Um, but if I'm being honest, you know, I was still just thinking thinking about the first 78 minutes, really. <laughs> I was just thinking, I don't want to do that again next week. But I think we had one, one game left after that or whatever. And um, like I said, my, my, my memories of that night really is, is at halftime. Um, Tony Pulis, when he cut loose at uh, me and Scott Dan. Because um, oh my god, and that, that wasn't a pretty sight, really. Because he'd never really done it before, but him in full flow is um, is, uh, is is in a pretty picture. What, what did he um, say? What did he say to you, Damien? Oh, I just absolutely everything. You know, just <laughs> like you think you're on your, you know, the usual ones. You think you're on your holidays. You, you've checked out already. You know, if you think that, so you know, except that you won't be here next year, and this isn't good enough, and a few excellent thrown in and stuff like that as well. So, but he was quite ferocious in, 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 in his delivery. It seems like a great place to play, Palace. Yeah, yeah. Um, listen, you know, the club went from administration to the Premier League in, in the space of a couple of years, you know. So um, definitely the first three or four years, there was such a great um, 
like I can't, we can't believe we're here from the, from the fans. You know what I mean? Because they went from like almost being relegated out of the championship a couple of years beforehand to being in the Premier League. So like, there definitely was that. Like I mean, every away game, every home game, nobody ever left because it was such like it was just a continuous high. And even when we lost, no one got upset. The fans were still like so thankful and and grateful that like you know they were even having even if we got relegated because they were all expecting just to get relegated straight away the following season. And then the second season they were even like going up second season syndrome. You'll be gone again, and then we stayed up again. And it was just this continuous good buzz and good feel, and 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 everything was fantastic around the club. Um, and that's that was my my thing that we could do no wrong as players, even when we got bashed by anyone or things didn't go well the fans never ever ever questioned us there was just still this amazing kind of um, feeling towards us um, and obviously you know times change and expectations change when you're Premier League for years now they expect a little bit more and, and and it goes the way it normally does you know yeah, what what is your best memory from from that time at Palace? Because it, it, you played around about 170 games for Palace in the end, yeah. and, and I mean, yeah. it was an medal, amazing time for you towards the back end of your career as well. But you you become such a mainstay. I mean, maybe playing under Pulis, and I know how, how Tony Pulis plays. It was mm. quite rigid as a back four, but mm. the job that you were doing was such a key job for the side within there. Yeah. And then yeah, even yeah. when you became a little bit more open and expansive, you you were still yeah. a mainstay of that side. So yeah. playing under different managers, different styles, different systems. What was your your, your abiding memory from you from your time there um i think my my biting memory like it's probably i thought something silly but like we, we won at um we won at chelsea 2-1 and you know you know how hard it is to go to a top four side and win you know i mean they don't lose games at home very often and we had so many goals against top four teams and we could never beat them and it was always thing and then the, uh, i think it was Marino, the season Marino got fired over that the whole doctor thing. We went there quite early in the season. We turned them over 2-1. Um, and they were champions as well at the time. So, like, that for me was just, like, you know, Everest, you know. For, it was just to win in the top four. That was always on my bucket list. I wanted to win away at the top four team, you know. Um, because, you know, I think someone said Marino's record at the time is he'd only lost a handful of games in 10 years at home in the league. You know, but through the Inter Milan and Real and all that. Yeah. So that's how difficult that was, and I think that was uh, that Chelsea away game for me was was, was a massive one because the enormous sense of um, achievement after that. Um, I think that was the second fit. time Mourinho had lost a home league game in a hundred league games in charge of Chelsea. Was he? It's yeah. great knowledge. So but it's probably it's probably it's, it was something like that. I remember the time someone gave me the start after the game, and like you know, you know, mentally, physically, and emotionally, you have to give so much to win at a top four. I'm sure even if you ask Kev now, you know, in all the games he yeah, played at, very few. Chelsea, there's probably not, I mean, there might be, but I, I'm guessing there's not many, Kev, no? I won at Chelsea once, actually. I did manage oh, yeah? to win at Chelsea when I was at Sunderland, yeah. But there are very few yeah. against top four sides, he's right. And that, particularly that Mourinho side in the Chelsea, yeah, no chance. Yeah, so that, that, that was probably it for me because that was always on top of my list of things to achieve, really. Um, obviously, winning a trophy as well was up there, but um, that was... That would probably be my avoidant one, to be honest with you. Yeah, I thought you might have gone for the cup final. Yeah. With, with Palace. I, know, and I, I suppose 12. when you lose it, maybe it's not the right memory. And uh, But uh, what about Alan Pardew's little dance when Punchin scored the goal? <laughs> um, yeah, I did. It was two days later when I found out about that, to be honest with you. So <laughs> <I did. laughs> By then, I just didn't really care. I was all days and I was away. So. Um, yeah, look, we, you know, I was 12 minutes away from winning the FA Cup, or 10 minutes, whatever it was, when Punch scored. Um so that was pretty close. That, I mean, that would have been obviously the ultimate, but um, it wasn't to be. Before we let you go, we must ask about the Roma connection. 
So if anybody oh, yeah. doesn't know, this is the uh, Roma's <laughs> official club account. When you were leaving Crystal Palace to sign for Cork, they put up a tweet saying, yeah. hashtag Grazie Damien. Yeah. And they've had lots of different tweets since then. What is the connection yeah. with Roma? Just in the interest of keeping it going, I, I'm not going to tell you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Of people, I get asked about that a lot, actually. You know, and um, I keep that between me and Roma, to be honest with you. You don't know, do you? I have no idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we no look forward idea. to see what happens next. But did, did you get a tweet when you signed for Waterford? Uh, yeah, they did. Did wow. Actually, yeah. They, um, I didn't see it now, but uh, someone said to me they put up a, 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 a link to something to do with Waterford's history of like over the last fifty years or something, and said that Waterford is their new favourite city in Ireland or oh, something class. like that. I didn't. I only briefly saw it to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think they did something. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant, uh, Damien. Great stuff. By the sounds of it, right. you're going to be involved in football for a long time to come. I'd imagine there's uh, coaching roles in your future. Uh, that I don't know now, to be honest with you. I'd have to really think about that. Co- I like playing football, coaching. I'm not right. really um, decided yet, to be honest with you. you know, I like Killer's job there, you know. Yeah, come in, in here, come in, yeah. in here anytime. <laughs> yeah, we'll happily exchange him. <laughs> yes, he's, he's losing touch with the modern game, Damien. Is that right? You're always welcome, Damien, in the studio. Thanks, thanks a lot for taking the call. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, thanks.